Hey, I'm Jamie Neal, host of 360 Yourself. In 2014, I had a breakdown and was hospitalized. Too much work, too much anxiety, too much coffee, not enough self-care and not enough balance. In the hospital, laying over my thoughts, I had to rethink my entire life. The doctor said I was overworked and my body gave up. Now, I'm not gonna say it wasn't scary, but it was a turning point for me. From there, I started to rebuild myself reading hundreds of self-help books and questioning everything from why do we have triggers? What is ego? What is persistence and motivation? What is manifesting? And what is identity? Many years later, someone recommended that I start a podcast. I was always curious about how others lead their lives. And thus, 360 Yourself was born, interviewing incredible minds on how they understand themselves and how they utilize knowledge and awareness to set out into their space. 360 Yourself is a dedicated podcast meeting brilliant and curious minds and looking at the world around them. I speak to artists, musicians, sports athletes, authors, CEOs, and experts in human behaviors, released every Sunday at 12 o'clock. I ask questions about their mindset, journey, values, ethos, to fully understand how each of their minds work and process information. How can we become more aware of ourselves to grow to the ultimate person we know we can be? How do you 360 yourself to 360 the world around you? If you do enjoy our episodes that you're listening to and certain themes and topics ignite within you, please visit our Instagram page at 360 underscore yourself to tell us how you're growing and learning. Or you can email us jamie at 360yourself.co.uk. That's jamie at 360yourself.co.uk. And I'll read out every episode at the end stories and comments from you, the audience, the 360 years. Thank you, and remember to 360 yourself. Hey, how you doing, Bill? I am good. How are you? I'm good and good. So can I call you Bill, or do you like William? Which one do you like? How about Dr. Bill as a compromise? Dr. Bill. Fair enough. I like Dr. Bill. Um, how are you doing? Always what I ask my guests is, where are you in the world? I am sitting in my office in Los Angeles, California. Yummy. Uh, it's actually technically called Century City. Uh-huh. And I live literally about a 40 second drive from my condominium to my office. Why don't I walk? Well, in LA, we don't walk. <laughs> Well, actually, to be fair, it depends on where you are, though, because if you're in like Silver Lake or you're maybe like in some areas of downtown, there's little communities where they have like different markets and stuff. So you you do need a car, but you can sort of operate in those little mini communities, I've heard. Right. But here's the thing. Like I have this big briefcase and charts and I don't look like a homeless guy walking into the office every day. Plus. I always go to the gym right after work. So not only do I have all that, but then I have my gym clothes. So yeah, we live in a car culture. LA is just made for cars. So it's super easy. I go from my parking spot, my condo to my parking spot in my, in my office building. And then from my parking spot, in my office building to the parking spot at the gym. And uh, it's uh, easy breezy and I don't have to carry anything. That's good. I mean, do you do you enjoy driving? I mean, some people obviously go to live in L.A., but they don't like driving. I'm like, why would you live in L.A. if you don't like driving? Well, I don't need to drive. I have a Tesla. It drives itself. It, no way. Wow, that's pretty handy. Well, I mean, 
Okay, you have to put your foot on the brake if there's a red light. But other than that, it's really good. Yeah, I mean, because uh, it's electric, isn't it? The, t- the Tesla. It's everything. Yeah. The, I think everything is going to go more electric in the future, isn't it? I mean, that's the sort of way. I mean, with the whole kind of carbon and everything, we, it's just going to, it's just going to inevitably be, be electric. It has to be. Has to be indeed. Has to be well because because I didn't didn't Elon Musk um, wasn't he doing this whole project in LA where you were he was building underneath um, yeah cars and stuff yeah and I'm gonna tell you something too about him he's my friend he is fascinating like like when when he needs to come to see me if I know it's gonna take like an hour. I just booked two hours because I just want to talk to him for the other hour. <laughs> I think I would as well. He he would definitely be someone at my dinner table who I would just want to chat about because I feel like he's just got like such a an inquisitive mind about everything. So it doesn't matter if he's do, you're t- talking to about Tesla or something else. I'm assuming that you could like ask for anything else and somehow you'd have a really stimulating conversation. Oh, for sure. Mm. So I want to know, uh, so going obviously back to you, um, how did you start out? How did you get from where you were, where you grew up, to where you are now? So guide me through it. Uh, okay. Well, first, I was born. <laughs> that course. was like a big day, right? Yeah, big day. Yeah, big day. Yeah, big day there. And I was born to a really fortunate nurturing, loving environment. And and I always tell parents, the greatest gift you can give your kids is confidence, mm-hmm. you know? And I was so fortunate. My parents from birth made me feel like I could literally do anything if I put my mind to it. Not that it was going to come to me. Like, I hate this whole millennial thing where like, Oh, the universe, the universe is not going to do anything for you. Okay. You do for you. And, you know, and I learned that at a very early age, I was a weird kid. Like I was never a kid. I was like a little adult in a little body, you know, I mean, and then I knew it. I knew I was different. I knew I was weird. Like from the get go, when I was, when I was started kindergarten, I was five, right? Uh-huh. And I remember the first day I came home, my parents called me Billy, right? And Billy, how was school? So, you know, school was okay, but the kids in my class are so immature. Who says that at five? You know <laughs> what I mean? I, I was a weird kid. Like, I remember just going through grammar school thinking, why are these children such children? I, I just didn't understand it. I was like an old man in a little kid's body. It was weird. I came, I came home from school a year later at six, and I told my parents I wanted to have a conference with them. Who does that? You, want, you, want, right? so you wanted to do a conference with them? Yeah, I wanted to have a conference with my parents. So I sat them down, and they said, well, what, what's the topic of this conference? I said, well, you know, I know how to read now. They said, yes, you do, and you're, you're good at it. I said, so... I don't think I need to go to school anymore. I'll just read everything I need to learn. They're like, nah, we think you should still stay in school. I'm like, okay. I, you know, I gave it a try. Um, But, you know, it was just like, 
I always had these weird ideas. I remember at seven drawing. I was a, I, I was always good at drawing. I, you know, I, drawing out this whole underwater city with with oxygen feeding in and like all this crazy stuff. I I I know I was a weird kid. I, I, how many kids? I even asked my parents this like like a month ago. I'm like, mom. Did I ever get in trouble as a kid? Like, I don't remember ever getting in trouble for doing something wrong. She goes, yeah, no. Like, I just, it's like, I always knew right from wrong. I thought, well, why would I do it the wrong way when I could do it the right way? It was weird. I'm telling you, I was a weird kid. But, you know, I grew into a weird adult. I don't know. I mean, I think I think we all have a bit of a tendencies to a bit strange. I when I was younger, I used to have mashed potatoes and I would only eat the inside of the mashed potato and then leave the outside of it. And then I could, but I can never eat it. Like, but it took me years to get out of this habit. I think we all have these really strange things um, that, that we go through. I, I mean, my, par- my parents are so encouraging. They even give us um, a costume box so we could do performances in the front room. Um, and it's it always is helpful, isn't it, to have parents who are supportive um, if you, if they can be um, uh, and, and to really like push and say, you can be whatever you want to be. Cause literally like you can, if you want to be. But, but I'll tell you that the, the difference, Jamie is my parents never push net. Like, like I remember when I got accepted into UCLA, I got, I, I was at dinner, you know, I opened the mail I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys, I got into UCLA. My parents didn't even know I had applied. <laughs> like I just did it, you know? And when my kids got into college, all three of my daughters, I felt like I got accepted at the same time. You know, I helped them with their, with their, you know, with their application. I wrote their, 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 their essays with them. Like I, when, when my daughter got into USC, I felt like I was a student at USC too. You know, it was a completely different thing. I, I'll tell you one of the funniest ones. Uh, you know, when I graduated from UCLA, a month before graduation, I get a phone call from the chancellor's office. And they said, you know, do, do, uh, I'm going to say Dr. Dorfman. I wasn't a doctor yet. They said, <laughs> they said we want to congratulate you um, on being awarded outstanding senior for the class of 1980. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like, like I had, like I was blown away, right? So of course, first thing you do is call your folks. So I'm like, mom, dad, both get on the phone. I said, you won't believe this. They said, what? I said, what? I said, I just got a call from the chancellor's office and gained this huge award. I'm going to be the outstanding senior for the class of 1980 at UCLA. My mother says, what's not to believe? I'm like, mom, there were 10,000 kids graduating. Like I won outstanding senior. She says, darling, do you actually think there's anybody better? I'm like, mom, you're missing the whole point. <laughs> like they're not you. It isn't like, oh, I, uh, my parents had no clue. We go to this big award ceremony and my mother hits me in the ribs and says, wow, this is impressive, huh? I'm like, mom, that's what I've been trying to tell you. Like they, they literally had no clue. And, and I think the hardest thing growing up was that like, 
I was such a unicorn that they just expected my brothers, I'm the oldest of five kids, to be like me. And like that was not a realistic possibility. And I literally at the age of 16 had to lecture my mother because she didn't know this, but I overheard her once and she was yelling at my little brother, like, why can't you be like your brother? And I, I said, mom, do you want my brothers to hate me? She goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, look, I know I'm a weird kid. They're normal. They're not like me. Stop comparing them to me because they're going to hate me. She goes, you know what? You're right. Mm. And, and that was the last time she ever did that, you know? And so, I mean, I acted as a mentor for my brothers, you know? And it, like, like, I always felt like I was my dad's best friend, not like, like he was my dad. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, I was weird. Yeah. How, so, because obviously when, when, in years ago, because my, my parents, they've got like four, five, six different siblings. How, what, what are they doing now, your siblings? Because I, I, it's fascinating that dynamics when you have like, you are the older brother and you're doing well and then everyone sort of looks up to you and stuff. You know, I mean, they're all successful in their own right. My, my next brother, we're all a year apart. So my next brother is an actuary. He works for a big insurance company. Um, my brother after him is a money manager. He manages a lot of my money. And uh, my next brother after that is a kinesiologist. He does sports rehabilitation and things like that. And then my sister actually worked in my dental office for many years. So she knows how to run dental offices. Mm -hmm. um, she happens to be running one in the valley close to where she lives as opposed to where I live on the city because uh, she has a child with special needs and it just didn't make sense for her to stay in my office. Mm -mm -mm. It's crazy. It's crazy, isn't it? How, how we do it. I've got one sister. I've got one sister um, and she sort of followed in my footsteps for a while when she was younger. And then I think like 18, 17, 18, she started like developing her own path and stuff. I think when you're younger, you're really like that. You sort of admire your older siblings because it's like, this is how they do it. And then, they pass on the knowledge back down to you. Yeah. And so how, so obviously you said you were a, such a weird child. I, I mean, I find that highly amusing, but when we say weird, do you mean just like, as in like you were just not normal in the sort of sense where you were just like thinking differently? Is that what you mean? Because I think people who are, um, who are actresses or business people, they do think differently and that's what is not normal. It's not normal to be like at where you are now because so everyone else is doing what they're doing. And so I'm, I'm fascinated to know like how your mind works and obviously where, where does ambition come from? Like, does it come from your, is it ingrained from your family? Like does anyone else ambitious or is it born with, are you born with like the way that you are? I find that highly interesting. You know, it, it's funny, like, I'm not a hoarder, but I keep things like I kept my grammar school yearbook, my junior high school yearbook, my high school yearbook and my UCLA yearbook. Right. And in all four of those yearbooks, they Americans do this. They might not do this in England, but um, they always give out awards at the end of the year. You know, most handsome. Um, 
best butt, uh, most kissable lips. Uh, they, have these, they have these weird categories. And in all four of those, I was voted most likely to succeed. Now, I don't know, like I didn't, I didn't like go out and parade myself for this or, or, or you know, or I, I don't know why people always, even in dental school too, you know, like, I don't know what it was that I gave off that made people think that that was what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I always, well, here's the best example. So, you know, ABC puts me on this show called Extreme Makeover back in 2004. This was pretty much the birth of reality TV. Yeah, right? that was a long time ago, 2004. Wow. Yeah. And um, you probably weren't even born. And we, uh, you know, we'll get into this in a little bit, but I teach a nonprofit. It's a motivational leadership program for high school and college kids at UCLA every year. You know, and I always feel, you know, we try to instill a lot of knowledge into these kids, but if we completely fail and there's only two things that these kids walk away with, it's this number one, don't wait for opportunities in life, make them. And number two, when you do get an opportunity, don't take it, master it. Mm. And that's a big difference, you know? So ABC puts me on the show, Extreme Makeover. And, you know, if you watch the first like three or four episodes, I'm not going to lie. I stunk. <laughs> like, like, have you heard the phrase a deer in headlights? Yeah, yeah. That was me. Like, I mean, in dental school doesn't prepare you for lights, camera, action. You know, I knew how to do the dentistry, but with lights and a microphone and a director and like it was, I was, it was freaking, I freaked out a little bit. So realizing what an opportunity this could be, instead of waiting for ABC to call me and say, Hey doc, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. I did something about it. I took acting classes, hosting classes, teleprompting classes. I, I, I went to the improv theater and learned improv. I mean, I did everything I could do to be the best version of me and maximize that opportunity. So as a result, 2006, I'm on Oprah. And Oprah says, you know, Dr. Bill, you have had a career unlike any other dentist in the history of the world. I mean, you're a New York Times bestselling author. You grew your company Discus Dental from zero to $1.3 billion. You invented Zoom. You have all these amazing celebrity clients. She's going on and on and on and on. She says, what is it that inspires you to think so far outside the box? Mm. Now, I had never heard that phrase before. It wasn't part of our American lexicon at that time. And it, 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 it really struck me. And I answered as honestly as I could. And I looked her in the face. I said, what box? And we both just cracked up. Boom. And, and, I, and I think that that really exemplifies my entire life. And I also think that it's the one thing that really prohibits most people from succeeding is that they box themselves in. I never, ever think I can't do something. 
like to me, it's always a challenge like, okay, what do I need to do to do something? You know, I, I was having a, a conversation with one of my colleagues this week and he said something like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I mean, people will judge me. Like I, I, that never even enters my mind. Like somebody's going to judge me. Like that's, that never has held me back from anything. I honestly don't care what people think about me. I, 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 it's not even a thought. Like as long as I know I'm doing good and I'm helping people, I'm super happy. And if there's people out there that don't like that, I don't care. <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. Well, it, it all should really matter is if you think that you're a good person and if you are actively thinking it and also doing it, then surely not, nothing can really touch you because you know that you're putting in the work, you're doing the good things, you're being kind, you're making time and space. And, and as, as long as you're also being authentic to yourself and also acknowledging to yourself going, I am a good person, because a lot of people think they're not doing enough. And that's why they get into this whole headspace of not being good enough. Yeah, I, and I don't get, uh, yeah. you know, a few years back at LEAP, um, I, I, I did, I, I, I put on a, a program, uh, a new program that I hadn't done, um, on respectful dating and, you know, cause my kids at leap are 15 to 25. And, you know, I talked about, you know, in the South, I mean, in the U S we've got different cultural things, but in the South, you know, it's customary on a date for a man to open and close doors for women. I mean, that if you don't do that, it is considered bad manners. You know, maybe that's not the case in London. Maybe not in LA. No, it is. And, it is here. It is here as well. Yeah. So, you know, so I went through all this stuff. And then at the end, two young men came up to me and said, Dr. Bill, we were disgusted by your entire presentation. I said, what, what could discuss you? They said, we're gay. Your whole thing was about men treating women. That, what about men dating men? And I said, you know what? You are 100% right. And that was a blind spot. I, I really, I, I, I failed. I, I, and I said, please don't leave the program because of my stupidity. Let me apologize publicly. And the next morning, I got on stage and I apologized to the entire group of 500 kids. And I said, let me say something else, because I've really taken this, this time to reflect back on my entire life. As an adult, I have never, ever intentionally done anything or said anything malicious to anybody. I mean, there are people I don't like in this world. I just don't talk to them, but I would never say something mean or malicious to anybody, you know, and in any time I may have inadvertently hurt somebody's feelings, it wasn't intentional. I mean, look, we're, we're all human. We make mistakes, mm. but I would never, ever, ever say anything to intentionally hurt anybody. I just keep it to myself. If I don't like somebody, I, I just. I, mean, I, I don't, I, I just don't go out of my way. There's that, simple, there's that simple saying, if you've got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. Don't yeah. Know. And that, and I live by that, you know, and mm -hmm. I think that, you know, my mantra in life, and you, you talked about, you know, 
what are, you know, what would be a mantra for, for me? It's this. I grew up super poor. We had nothing, like nothing growing up, but luck. Learn so you can earn and then return. Mm. And I'm in a phase of my life where my career has literally exceeded every expectation I ever had. If you had told me when I started dentistry that I would get, you know, 20 lifetime achievement awards by this time, two Guinness World Book records, be a New York Times bestselling author. I mean, I can go on and on and on. I would never have believed you. But it's been pretty phenomenal. And I'm at a phase in my life where I just want to help kids be the best version of themselves. And that's why we created LEAP. LEAP is a motivational leadership program for high school and college kids to teach them skills to be successful in life, not as dentists, in life, as whatever you want to be in your life. And, you know, we always did the program live. Um, in 2020, we ended up switching to a virtual program and now we have a hybrid program. So if, you know, if you have kids in the UK that, that can't make it to Los Angeles and go to UCLA, they can do the virtual program. Although I would say if you have the wherewithal to send a kid to UCLA, not only will they get a lot more out of the program, but I think kids are sick of sitting in front of computer screens learning stuff, you know, and I think, I think we're at a stage in the pandemic where it's okay to get out and, you know, and, and travel as long as you're vaccinated. The worst thing that will happen if you get Omicron, I think is it feels like a bad cold. I just got it um, at new year's and I, I was pretty much asymptomatic. If yeah, if you're vaccinated, so making sure everyone is doing their bit and being vaccinated and stuff because obviously it's happening over here i think i think most of us i think not all of us but most of us are uh booster jab now i don't know what it's like in the u.s yeah um, same same yeah. same but so, so i actually um did the astrazeneca trial with the the vaccine that came from the uk <coughs> i still have a little bit of this lingering cough you see um i did that in november of um 20 um 21 and then when the delta variant came out in march they weren't sure how that would perform so then i got vaccinated with the moderna and in in no that was in 2021 and then in september 2021 i got the booster before i went to the uk i came and visited you guys so i've actually had five jabs Wow, you're you're on it. You're on it. So and then I got COVID at Christmas time and New Year. So I've got more antibodies than I think any human alive. <laughs> yeah. So the so where you're at now, because obviously we go through stages in our life where we're learning and then we're thriving and then we're sort of giving back. And until so you get to the, the pinnacle of your career. And you are at the pinnacle of your career, being one of the leading and most recognized dentists in history, having clients like Anthony Hopkins or Hugh Jackman, Usher, Jessica Simpson. I mean, the names go on. What actually got you into dentistry and wanting to help people with their because obviously it was not just about the, the surface of like what it looks like. It's like helping people become more confident and making people feel 
like more full and just giving them everything they need to pursue their 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 journey i think that's just so admirable so i would love to know what it is that you got into it for so as a little kid i fell and i knocked out all of my baby teeth my upper baby teeth and had to have multiple multiple procedures to ensure that my permanent teeth would grow in permanently and properly and you know Again, I told you I was a weird kid. Most normal kids probably would have been freaked out by the dentist, having gone through everything I went through. I was fascinated and thought, oh my gosh, I want to help people like this. Like this is really, really cool. And and I realized what an impact it made. So that's how I got into dentistry. Um, In dental school, I realized that if you do a really great root canal on somebody, they don't really care. But if you do a really beautiful crown on somebody's front tooth where they had a broken, ugly tooth, they do care. And it's not like you're just changing your smile. You're changing your life. Mm. And to me, that's what attracted me to cosmetic dentistry because, I, you know, I knew like if you do 20 root canals on somebody, they leave the office like, OK, but if you do 20 veneers, and give somebody a really beautiful, attractive smile where before they hid their smile or didn't feel confident, that's a game changer. And I, I just loved doing that. And fortunately for me, ABC cast me as the dentist on that hit show. And so now instead of sharing this experience with you or maybe you and your partner, I could now share this experience with millions of people watching TV. And at the end of the day, after these patients were nipped and tucked and this and that and everything else, if you ask them what made the biggest difference, they always said their teeth. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how much we spend thinking about outside appearances. And we always talk about <laughs> the inside as well like making sure we are full with inside but sometimes having those whether it is the color of your hair or a fresh cut like we don't think about i think sometimes like so, social media can be can be um can be not so great for, for our mental health because obviously we're looking at everything from a surface point of view but no one ever says like don't get a haircut because whatever like we get haircuts because we want to feel great and we with our other things when we have like our jackets or shoes or things that make us feel great and just a smile can obviously affect someone so dramatically in the street compared to if you put like a haircut or um your trousers on you're not going to go walk in the street and someone looks at your trousers and then smile at it but if you do go in the street and you smile at them they will smile back and it improves their day tenfold. And it's amazing how c- the chemical reaction of a smile improves someone's day just instantly, even if they've had a really bad day. And I think that's absolutely amazing. Agreed. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's important though, to think about how we also smile ourselves as well. I, I was listening to um, a, a motivational speaker. I can't remember. I think it was a, I can't, yeah, I can't remember her, her name now, but she came up with this, this idea about high-fiving yourself in the mirror every single morning. And if you do it for 30 days, you feel great. Because when you give yourself a high-five or someone else a high-five, 
you get these endorphins from you. And I think we should be doing more like that with our smiling in the mirror, because when do you actually, I mean, we go into this, we go into the bathroom, you do your teeth, you do the thing, but you don't really, unless you've got music going, you don't actively just like smile at yourself. And I think maybe if we did that more in the morning, that would also help our, our mental health, the way that we shape ourselves, the way that we get ready for the day, whether it is doing our manifestations or we're thinking about how we're going to attack the day. But I think maybe taking a moment to say, smile, smiling at yourself in the morning will set you up. Well, I, and I think one of the things I teach at LEAP is, is, is even a step further called positive self-talk. Mm. And, you know, most of us are saying meaner more destructive things to ourselves than we would ever allow anybody to say to us. Mm. And why? I mean, you got to be kind to yourself. Stop that. You know, you have to stop beating yourself up. You know, I mean, there are probably things that you have said to yourself that if anybody else said that to you, you would be so offended, you know, and, and riveting. You know, so I tell kids, you know, be kind to yourself, talk nice to yourself. Mm. You know, it's a really, really important part of of developing a, a healthy psyche. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. High five yourself. Smile at yourself. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I'm curious as well. What I love to ask my guests is we all sometimes we see um, the surface level of someone's success or their journey. And we actually don't know how they're feeling or what sort of struggles they might be going through. I would love to know what is potentially one of your biggest challenges that you might have faced personally or professionally, because I love asking this question because we always see it from a surface, but sometimes there's something deep. The way way that, that I describe that at Leap is we compare our deepest, darkest insides to everybody else's bright, sunny outside, mm. right? And that's the problem, especially for kids. The kids that are sitting on Instagram and TikTok and you know, they're seeing these, you know, quote unquote influencers with these lavish lifestyles and they're so beautiful and they're so this and they're so that and they're so messed up, so many of them. Yeah, because we're, you know? we're seeing several, we don't right. see the person, but actually right. we're all human. We're all going through the same thing. Right, right. Yeah, that's the thing, you know. Um, so you want to know what I struggle with? Well, struggle or maybe you don't struggle, but maybe you did when you were in your early 20s or when you were in your maybe at the peak of your career. I think sometimes also yeah. when, when you when I you got, got, Yeah. So I remember in the beginning of dental school, there was a guy in my class who just hated me just hated me. And I wasn't sure. I felt like he hated me. So I actually stopped him one day. And I said, John, maybe I'm crazy, but I really feel like you hate me. He goes, yeah, I do. (laughs) I'm like, why? He goes, I don't know everything about you. I hate the way you look, the way you talk, the way you, he just hated me. And I, 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 I was crushed. And I remember calling my grandpa and saying, grandpa, I, I'm so 
devastated and demoralized. Like there's this guy in my class and I felt like he hated me. And I asked him, I said, John, you know, do you hate? And, and, and grandpa, he hates me. My grandpa said, so what? I mean, no, grandpa, you understand me. Like I'm kind to everybody. I literally go out of my way to be nice to people. He said, so what? I'm like, no, grandpa, if he doesn't hate anybody else in the class, only me. He said, so what? I'm like, what do you keep saying? So what for? He goes, who is this guy to you? I said, well, he's in my class. He goes, so what? <laughs> he's obviously an idiot. You're going to let idiots ruin your life? I'm like, but grandpa, he hates me. He goes, let me tell you something, son. No matter how good you are, no matter how noble you are, no matter how whatever you are, there are going to be people in life that hate you. Get over it. And I'm like, he's, he's right. And, you know, it was like, I was so worried that this, and you know what? Since dental school, I've never even seen this guy. Like he's had zero impact in my life in any way, shape or form. Yeah. So it's funny though, how we sometimes let people who, on same mindset or have the same vision at, or the same the same sort of path but let them dampen our light exactly and it's so and but but like what resonance does this person really mean in the grand right. scale of right. meaningful pursuit right and you know i think one of the best lessons i had was i this epiphany of the most important thing is for you to look in the mirror and say, hey, that guy that I'm looking at, he's okay. He's mm. not perfect. He's okay. I try hard. I always try hard. I try to be a good person. I try to help people in life. I try and I care and I'm okay, you know, and there are going to be people along the way that don't think I'm okay. And you know what I say? F them. <laughs> really <laughs> yeah it's it's like but it's like also separating the ego and also strengthening the mental state about the pursuit of where you're going and the impacts that people have around you and what you're going to listen to and what you're not going to listen to and i think that comes with a lot of wisdom as well and experience because you're always going to get um opinions by so many different people saying you should do this you shouldn't do that or whatever but it's having that inner confidence within yourself to know which opinions and which things you want to take on and there's a really great book um but, but i think it's called um it's called um how to give less fucks um excuse my french but i really really love this book i've, I've got it actually on my shelf it, it's by um mark rand uh so rand rand something um but it, it basically just allows you to understand how to let go of the energy of importance to things that don't really mean important in your life. And it's so fascinating. I love that. I have a very good friend. I won't say who it is, um, but she happens to be the mayor of a very, very prominent city in, uh, in the world. And um, she was going through a really really difficult political thing that she did not deserve. And it was just a bunch of jealousy and ridiculous, ridiculous BS. And we started this thing 
Um, and when she would send me emails or text messages, all I wrote on it was F E A. And we started this FEA thing and it would crack us both up. I mean, you know what the F stands for. And then the E was um all. So it was F them all. Right. Mm -hmm. And it just, it, every time she was like, so down in the dumps and like, she like, William, didn't she tell me all this? And I would just say FEA and we would just crack up. And I think at a certain point in life, you have to just stop taking everything so seriously, mm. put it in perspective. And again, I say to kids, look in the mirror. If the person that you're looking at is a good person, has a good heart, is doing good things for the people and good things for the world, F-E-A. Love it. Bang. Love it. Um, so as we tie up, the episode and I'd love to talk to you more. I would, I could go on for hours. I love to do this, this thing with um, our guests and we do a give back. And I know you said some amazing nuggets of information, but I love to do a give back of inspirational things that have come into your life. And it might be a person, a quote, a painting, a book, anything that maybe you would inspire you, your younger self or someone in the audience or even someone at leap that might be listening now. Like maybe one, maybe two things, whatever it would be. There was a mentor I had. We lost him. He, he passed away named Jeff Golub Evans. He was a leader in cosmetic dentistry, past president of the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry, renowned dentist, artist, leader. I mean, amazing guy. And um, when he became president of the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry, he asked me to be the editor for the AACD journal, which really gave my career a tremendous boost by leaps and bounds and all kinds of international notoriety and whatnot. And he had invited me to come to New York and, you know, basically, you know, spend a week with him working on the journal. Well, I was working like 10 hour days as a dentist. And like the, the thought of taking a week out for something that wasn't, you know, a, a CE course or like, I, 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 like, I just, I couldn't even wrap my arms around it. And he said to me, doc, what are you going to do? Drill teeth your whole life. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so right. Like, I just, I, like, I never missed a day of school ever. If I was sick, I still went like uh, <laughs> today with COVID don't do that. But like, I, I just, I've never, as a professional, I have never once missed a day of work in my entire career spanning over 40 years. I mean, I take holidays, but like I've never called in sick. If, if I, the only way I wouldn't is if I were so sick that I couldn't move or I felt that like being there would be detrimental to my patient, I, but that's never, never happened, you know, knock on wood in my entire career. Mm. So you know, when he said that to me, what are you going to do? Just drill teeth your whole life? I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so right. Like there's so much more. So I guess the, the point is open your eyes, look around you, see what's out there. We all get stuck in our little ruts and our little patterns. And, you know, uh, maybe you always walk down, you know, the right side of the street. Hey, tomorrow, walk down the left side. You might see something new. 
Love that. Yeah, because we do get stuck in a rut sometimes. And then I think that's when your mind plays tricks on you. And then you think you're not potentially going down the path we should be or achieving what you want to be. But actually, if you just looked over to your left, you might see something totally new and exciting that you didn't even thought was even possible. And that's the beauty of life, that opportunities are always in front of you. If you open up your eyes, you'll see them just by walking on the other side of the road. Right. Love it. Well, I want to say thank you so much for coming on 360 Yourself. It's been an absolute pleasure. You have been 360'd. Thank you very much. For any of your listeners who have kids 15 to 25, please check out Leap at www.leapfoundation.com. If they can't attend in person, even virtually, they'll get a lot out of the program. And I'm probably... The only person I know who has 1.3 million followers on Instagram who actually answers DMs. So if you want to get a hold of me directly and personally, I promise it's really me. Uh, just go to Dr. Bill Dorfman, Dr. Bill Dorfman, uh, on Instagram, and I promise I will respond. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to our awesome guests. Please subscribe to our podcast, access all our amazing episodes. We are released every Sunday at 12 o'clock. We are available on all listening platforms, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram for more discussions, education, and inspiration at 360 underscore yourself. The host, that's me, Jamie Neal, on Instagram at Jamie Neal JM. If you do enjoy our episodes that you're listening to and certain themes and topics ignite within you, please email jamie at 360.co.uk and I'll read out at the end of each episode stories and comments from you, the audience, the 360ers. And remember to 360 yourself.